The great Tony Gilroy once said that as a screenwriter, there are three days that pay for the entire year. Those three days are the days that you'll build a temple around, he said. You'll now spend your next six months building around that idea, around that moment. But you have to be there. You've got to be at your desk and stay there until it happens. Sam Boyd, the creator of Love Life, one of my favorite shows of 2021, thinks about these words often. You have to treat it like a job because you're never going to be able to anticipate when something's actually going to strike. My wife would always get kind of half-jokingly frustrated. We'd be like leaving for dinner and be like, baby, I'm sorry, inspiration just struck. I have to write, you know, or whatever. And she'd be like, you've been sitting here all day. Like now we're going to dinner. So much of it is just trying to work when you have that feeling and when you have to get it out of you and writing stuff that isn't good and throwing it away and being okay with that. Sam is speaking from experience. He wrote his pilot for Love Life in what he refers to as a wild fugue state. After endless days, weeks and months, with his laptop open, body draped over various pieces of furniture in his apartment, searching for something that sparked an emotion in him. When that lightning bolt strikes, it's an amazing feeling, he says. You find yourself typing from a place of total intuition, instead of screenwriting theory. What flows out of you on those lucky three days a year has a naturalism and authenticity to it that you spend the other 362 days a year replicating and elaborating on. A lot of it is sitting there and coming up with nothing worth anything. And eventually, if you're lucky, inspiration strikes and it does pour out of you. And, and usually that I think is good because it's, you know, if it's flowing out of you like that, it means you're not thinking about it as much and you're not sitting there going, oh, well, this should be, you know, this cold open has to do this and this and you're not kind of overcooking it. I'm Al Horner, and today on How I Write, a podcast about the highs, lows, and workflows of screenwriting, Sam Boyd reveals what he means by curatorial storytelling and why it's a pathway to emotive, effective TV. We also get into the importance of what he calls productive procrastination, how finding flaws in a genre you love can help you create an energized new version of it, and the trick involving action verbs that he deploys when he's stuck on a scene. That's all to come today on How I Write, presented by Arc Studio Pro, the screenwriting software that lets writers stay focused on the stories they're trying to tell on the page. Get your free trial today to check out its intuitive design, seamless real-time collaboration features, excellent outlining functions, and easy-to-use import and export capabilities. More on those guys later, but now, with no further ado... I'm Sam Boyd, and this is How I Write. With Love Life, we always kind of hoped that it would feel almost like a pop song that is sort of so fun to dance to that you don't even notice how sad the lyrics are. That was kind of a feeling that we talked about for a, a long time. And I think, you know, the show following a different character every season and each season following, you know, a series of that character's relationships, it's fun to try to get at those feelings as much as possible. So much of it is about like vibe and feeling and just wanting to get as close as possible to putting the audience there with these characters or tapping into some kind of well of memory that they had or some, you know, mistake they made when they were 22 or 28 or 32 or whatever. As someone who made plenty of mistakes aged 22, 28 and 32, I can confirm that love life is punishing in its relatability. It's also moving, hilarious and uplifting. The type of show that wears its love for screenwriters like Richard Linklater and Lena Dunham on its sleeve. Each season takes a new character and follows them through a decade of romantic adventures and misadventures. Each episode centres on a different moment and therefore relationship in their life. 
The result is not only a mini time capsule of the 2010s, incorporating the music, fashion, technology and cultural climate of each year from 2012 to present day. It's also a refreshingly realistic take on love, rooted in real stories curated from friends and family. The writing I've done has always skewed more towards being kind of curatorial, I guess is the way that I say it, where it's not so much me sitting and going, oh, what's something that could happen that no one's ever seen before, but instead kind of culling stories together of things that have happened to friends and trying to make something relatable. You know, I mean, it's funny because I love all kinds of movies and shows as a viewer. And I always am like, you know, I'll watch The Big Lebowski or I'll watch Hot Fuzz and I just will have like my mouth open the entire time and be like, how did someone write this? This is so insane. Like the language is incredible. Everything is so tight and perfect. And I just have never known how to do that. So for me, it's kind of approached the opposite way, which is this kind of compendium of like, hopefully relatable human experience and verisimilitude and not pretending it has any answers that it's kind of more about the questions and and trying to replicate life as much as we can in an entertaining way. Love Life is both an ode to the romantic comedy genre and an indictment of the fantasies it sometimes basks in. For him, there's creative opportunity in identifying the things you love about a genre and the things that you think it might be lacking. In the case of rom-coms, that for Sam was a dose of realism, a small sprinkling of authenticity. The starting point for me always was thinking about genre, thinking about romantic comedy, which is a genre that I love, but also wanting to, or seeing an opportunity to bring something that felt a little more real to it. I think I grew up loving so many character-driven romantic comedies, whether that's, you know, When Harry Met Sally or Annie Hall, which are basically just people hanging out. There's not really plots to those movies. There's no like hook or whatever. And I think, you know, we got to a point with the genre where high concept had kind of ruined it, you know, so that every romantic comedy in order to be big enough to be made had to be about how one of them's a ghost or one of them's writing an article about the other one. And, you know, it's all a bet or whatever. And I've always just really been trying to get back to the more you know, hopefully realistic feeling version of those kinds of stories. And that for me, it was the goal was always trying to kind of split the difference where it's okay, we're making something that, you know, feels big and feels entertaining and doesn't feel like some small, soft thing. But at the same time, you are kind of surprised by, how, you know, it reminding you more of your own life, you know, as much as I love anything from The Devil Wears Prada to any number of romantic comedies that are so well constructed and well made and, and fun to watch. The aim here was to try to start from a place, you know, what are things that have really happened to me, you know, when I'm working with the writer's room on, on both seasons, you know, that's always where it kind of comes from is what are things that have really happened to people? How can those maybe be departure points for story? You might be wondering to what degree Sam thinks about the market when he writes, whether an idea as smart and unique as Love Life was born out of identifying a certain appetite not being met, or a space in the cultural landscape not currently being filled. Sam, however, says he's tried this, and it's only ever led to failure. In fact, he wrote Love Life as an escape from that. There was a feature film he was meant to be writing which really did pay attention to what was quote-unquote sellable. The huge acclaim that's greeted Love Life, and especially its second season, starring William Jackson Harper as a newly single man exiting a marriage as he's entering his 30s, shows the power of sometimes blocking out advice about the TV landscape and what the industry is looking for. Anytime I've tried to think about 
what other people want or what the market or the industry is looking for, it has backfired. That feature script was very much me trying to say, you know, oh, here, this is the kind of thing people want and it's a biopic and it's this and it's that or whatever, you know, because when I would write stuff, people would always, always, always say, oh, this feels too small, you know, even back to film school. People would, you know, in film school, my professors would read stuff that I wrote and say, oh, you know, dialogue is really good or the characters are good, but, you know, wait till you figure out how to couch this in a sci-fi hook. And I think especially at that time, which was, you know, now 10 or 12 years ago, people weren't looking for relationship stories or romantic comedies. And in a weird way, that caught back up with the stuff that I was writing, but thinking no one wanted. Anytime I'm like, this is just for me, whatever, who cares? Let me just write about this relationship I had from this kind of pure place. That's the thing that people respond to. And I think more than anything, generally, I just think people can sniff out what's really in your heart. Start with character. That's a piece of advice that emerging screenwriters hear all the time, and with good reason. TV shows need characters that, good or bad, pull audiences in. In the case of Love Life, though, Sam let feeling and format guide him instead of character an approach that sometimes opens new ideas for stories and that you can fit relatable, well-written characters into at a later point. So, you know, the concept for Love Life is something that I actually just thought about for a long time. And really, it was the structure that was the idea. I think it started even when I was a couple years out of college thinking something as simple as, oh, it would be cool to do a book of short stories where each chapter in the book is like someone's is like one partner of a person and it's kind of moving through their life or whatever. And then I think that was also concurrent with a rise in really interesting and ambitious uses of half hour television structure. Again, that was eight or 10 years ago now, but when you're watching girls and you're watching Atlanta and you're watching transparent and you know, there are these incredible shows that are kind of changing the way that I think, especially half hour television seasons were being used, that became really interesting to me. So I think even before anything else, it really was thinking about TV and thinking about the opportunity to go, okay, you know, what can you do with 10 half hours and how can you use that as a way to break a story up and to hide things in between the episodes and omit them. And that that structure really was kind of the beginning of the idea. Once Sam has an idea for a pilot or for a movie, he tends to experiment exploring on notepads all the different variations of what it could be. Ultimately, with Love Life and with everything else he's written, he comes back to what he knows, what he can write about from a position of real-world experience. In this case, the first step for me in going from idea to actual material with Love Life was sitting with it for a long time, writing other stuff, thinking that was the thing, not really knowing how to crack it, And then one day, I think something just dropped. I think, you know, starting from the idea of this structure that I had had, and there were so many versions, you know, it's it's honestly, it can be hard to have an idea like that because it could be anything. I remember when I was trying to figure out what Love Life was, I was like, oh, is it about, you know, the punk scene in 1980s Northern California? Or it could be anything, you know, again, trying to elevate it because everything I had written about, you know, me and my friends or just young people now had been kind of, Um, derided as too small by people who had read it, I was kind of trying to make it big and go, oh, it's, you know, period, and it's this and it's that. And, you know, no one really wants that either. So I think there were a couple versions that I thought of and abandoned. And then eventually I just tried to work from as simple a place as possible and started thinking about 
my time in New York really tried to tap into not just the place, but the time, you know, this idea of being specific about the years where the show takes place, that it is the kind of recent past. And so I'm able to tap back into that part of myself and hopefully drudge up kind of feelings and vibes that resonate with an audience. There's a difference between writing what you know and writing yourself into your story. Sam likes to insert a bit of distance into his work between himself and his protagonists to maintain some sort of objectivity about his characters. This helps him put his characters through the kind of hardships that make for great drama. Until season two of Love Life, I generally would try to explore female characters. It gave it a kind of nice buffer. I think with this kind of storytelling, it's easy if you make it You know, if you make the character too close to you, it can feel like some kind of bad stand-in for yourself or something. And so it was fun to go, this person is not me. I'm putting feelings in here and I'm trying to remember things that happened to me or trying to understand what it might have been like to be this woman in this relationship with me. But there's a distance there. And so it was sort of like, okay, it's going to be this woman. And, you know, slowly you just chip away at it and you go, okay, it's going to be her in her 20s. She's kind of just getting out of school and again, all thinking about what's the feeling you want to convey and, and what is the, you know, what are the things that when I think about them, they give me that kind of pang of like nostalgia or melancholy. Being a director as well as a screenwriter, Sam likes to look for opportunities to imprint a sense of style and tone onto the page, baking it into the story at the earliest opportunity. Love Life, for example, features a fairy godmother-like voiceover that matches the fairy tale like tone of most romantic dramas that hit our screens. Thinking about the conceit of like this narrator and the kind of storybook quality that we try to give the show that kicks it all up a notch was really me thinking about movies that I loved like Royal Tenenbaums or like Amelie. And those are extremely idiosyncratic and kind of fanciful, I think emotionally realistic, but not actually realistic stories. And this was a little bit of an experiment to go, okay, what if we take that kind of fanciful storybook you know, treatment of a story, but apply it to something that's often mundane, what could that be like? Is there something interesting there that kind of gets at how important anyone's story is to themselves or how big it feels to be at the center of, you know, any of these kinds of situations where you're trying to figure it out and you're wondering if you can ever be loved and the kind of big and small of that, that there can be this kind of, this ornate magnifying glass, but really we're just like trying to kind of point it at mundane little stuff, you know, what, what can that feel like? Still to come, why Sam creates lookbooks to help keep him on track when he's experiencing writer's block, and how sometimes the best way to write an episode of TV is to envision a key scene, then work your way backwards, forging a pathway to that moment. But first, a word about Arc Studio Pro. Screenwriting to me is all about immersion. I want to stay immersed in that dreamy, fantasy-like state while I weave my story and craft my characters. I don't want to be distracted by anything and I certainly don't want to be thinking about text formatting. Arc Studio Pro understands that. It has a minimal and dare I say beautiful interface that allows me to stay completely focused on the story I'm trying to tell. If you like to work with a writing partner, well, good news. Arc Studio Pro has seamless real-time collaboration, kind of similar to Google Docs, which allows you and whoever you're working with to stay literally and figuratively on the same page. Importing and exporting other formats like PDF and final draft files is easy. And best of all, it has an always free plan, meaning you can sign up today and start writing. To take your screenwriting to the next level, visit arcstudiopro.com. Click the link in today's show notes to find out more. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. 
So, like all of us, Sam is prone to procrastination, especially in those moments where something's not clicking and you can't figure out why, on days that are decidedly not one of the three a year that Tony Gilroy speaks about. The key for Sam is finding a way to be still contributing towards your story in some small way when you're in those moments. Productive procrastination, as he calls it. For him, this means creating lookbooks, images and pieces of text that serve as inspiration for him and a window into what he's working towards for anyone else who later wants to collaborate on the project. Making lookbooks was something that I started doing on my own, where I maybe once would have just started writing a script that I didn't know anything about and it was totally premature and I'm suddenly writing dialogue that means nothing and characters who are nobody because I haven't done that work to figure it out yet. You know, instead of doing that, I was sort of then able to really be pulling images and moving stuff around on the page and putting into words and images the feeling that I was going after. And I think in a weird way, that was a sort of means of procrastinating that ended up being really beneficial so that when I did finish that pilot script and we, you know, went out to sell it. I also had this lookbook that people, you know, really like. For me, like with this show, I always was trying to make it feel as unlike a TV show as possible, sort of a TV show in quotes, if that makes sense. And, you know, wanting it to feel kind of weirder and more specific and more like a movie or a bunch of little movies. So this lookbook really was like a helpful way to figure that out. When it comes to first drafts, Sam has now been chiseled by the lightning pace demands of TV into something of a first draft machine, blasting through pages pretty quickly. This wasn't always the case though, he says, describing previously being much more precious about his drafts. This is something that in reflection was rooted in self-doubt. The first time I ever was able to put something in front of someone or felt confident about it, A lot of time it was kind of earlier than a first draft because again, at that point I was working from such a kind of place of insecurity and needing someone else, you know, not trusting myself enough, needing someone else to tell me like, this is okay, this is worth continuing with or this is good or bad and not being too afraid to really judge that for myself. Again, it's funny, like I used to just obsess over the formatting of screenplays and, you know, all the stuff, which is again, its own form of procrastination. It's a way to go like, oh, I need to like see what this script looks like. It's like, who cares? No one cares. Just, it's gotta be a good story. Just write a good story. In terms of writing scenes, Sam says he benefits from the help of his collaborators, both his Love Life co-showrunner, Bridget Bedard, and the team of writers in his Love Life writers room. Not only do their perspectives and lived experiences help with the curatorial storytelling style at the heart of the show, they also have expertise that has changed his view on how to shape scenes making them feel naturalistic instead of obvious story points moving a narrative forward. So much of what I've learned about writing a scene and really especially about story came from Bridget Bedard, who I work with as my co-showrunner in both seasons. And, you know, it's funny because I think even still she and I balance each other out very well because I've always been the kind of person that's like, oh, I think this is good enough. Is this good enough? And she's like, no, this sucks. Start over, you know, or whatever. And and really pushing, pushing the process, pushing us to go deeper it's not even going, you know, trying to reverse engineer it as much as it's looking for moments to kind of work back from. And so whether that's in season one, you know, this moment of like at the end of this episode about her friend, Sarah, where, you know, her friend has agreed to go to rehab the night before when she was blackout drunk and then wakes up in the morning and has no recollection of having agreed to that. And then it's like, okay, that scene is it. Like everything else is about getting us to that scene. It's tough because it's, you know, it's intuitive for me. I think obviously you always want conflict and stuff like that. But I think we're also very conscious always of not wanting it to feel like a scene and not wanting it to feel like a TV show or like a story. So 
on the one hand, you're trying to give it these kind of sturdy bones. You're trying to make it feel like a scene, but you also don't want it to feel overcrafted. When a scene isn't working, Sam has a trick that helps him identify the purpose of the scene that he's stuck on. You'd be amazed at the way that this cracks open the problem, he says. You know, something I learned from Bridget Bedard that's super helpful and was kind of our litmus test when we go through the script scene by scene and make sure, you know, vet every scene and go, is this a scene or is it not? It was about coming up with action verbs that you would kind of have an action verb at the top and an action verb at the bottom of the scene. And if the, those things weren't different, it wasn't a scene. <laughs> you go, okay, at the top of the scene, he's, you know, grasping and at the end of the scene, he's relenting or whatever, but kind of always trying to come up with a way to make sure the place your character is at the beginning and end of each scene is different. Throughout all this, it's worth noting, nothing is set in stone. Sam loves to lean into the things that are working when he's putting a show together like Love Life. In TV, there are intangibles that you can't anticipate when you're writing solely on the page, like the chemistry between certain actors. We started shooting not knowing how it was going to end. It changes all the time and you kind of, I, I kind of love it. I mean, it's high wire act. It can be extremely exhausting emotionally and physically, but it is really great to be in conversation with the thing almost so that as certain, you know, chemistry between actors is really working, you're able to write to it and lean in and that's able to inform, you know, what you've written and that it is that kind of fluid process where it's all being figured out together on the fly. When it comes to writing endings, Sam says he's helped out by the anthology format of Love Life. Most TV shows have a duty to set up the next season when it comes to the final episode of a season. Love Life can replicate movies in offering a more concrete conclusion to what's come before it, because next season is going to be an all-new character, an all-new story. He thinks a lot about what his ending says about real life, coming back again to that impulse in him to tell stories that ring true. In the case of Love Life, we had the benefit of there's a kind of very simple built-in endpoint, right? Which is either they end up with somebody or they don't. And, you know, when those are the load-bearing roles, when the stories are just about relationships and who is this person with at this moment and is this the right moment for that relationship or not? Is it going to last? You know, with season one, I think we knew like, okay, you know, this is going to end with her ending up with somebody, you know? And I think in season one, the only thing I knew was, you know, we had this first episode where she has this relationship with this guy named Augie and he kind of leaves before they can really see what's going to happen. My only thought about the ending was she cannot end up with Augie, you know, and I was very adamant about it because I also was just like, okay, if we do that, what are we saying? We're saying like, oh, don't worry, you're just going to end up with the first person you fell in love with when you're 22. Like, doesn't really happen that much. And I think we wanted to try to be more honest about it and end up telling this story about her and Augie, basically the opposite, her and Augie coming back together later in the season and being different people and having to realize that and having to have the sense that they weren't right for each other or that it didn't make sense to stay together. It's about the character having done the work to earn it, you know, or to be ready to be at that moment in their lives where they can meet a person and it is the right moment and it does last one of the joys of writing a show like Love Life, Sam explains, is hearing from fans who've seen themselves represented in some way on screen, who've experienced something like Darby in season one, or could relate to Marcus in season two. Feedback like that is part of why Sam writes, but ultimately, he says, he writes because he loves the process, a certain magical feeling that's only attainable when sat creating something from nothing on a blank page. I think for me, writing is so much about creating a blueprint for 
something to be made and an opportunity to work with actors and to work in production, which is really, I think, what I love the most. And when I feel the most alive, it's when, you know, the thing is on its feet and we're all figuring it out together. You know, writing is the only way to get there that I've found. But, you know, I think also it's just, it's the closest I've ever felt to a kind of magic. You know, I'm like a pretty pragmatic, atheistic person. And there is something holy about the feeling you get when something is working and get it down on the page and it clicks. Sam Boyd is the creator and co-showrunner of one of my favorite shows of 2021, Love Life. Seasons one and two are available now on HBO Max if you're listening in the US. If you're in the UK, season one is currently on BBC iPlayer. You've been listening to How I Write, hosted by me, Al Horner, with production by Camille Demeck. Music comes from Oliver Knowles. Our theme song is by Nefetz. How I Write is brought to you by Arc Studio Pro. Get your free trial today by visiting arcstudiopro.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.